podcast with James and Jane. Hey, this is Jane. And just before we get into this episode, I want to remind you all about the great stuff on our website at www.worldofwork.io. Over there, you can check out our online seminar program, the workshops we run, as well as our coaching and all the other podcasts we've recorded. So that's www.worldofwork.io. Now on to this episode. Hello, this is James. And this is Jane. And here we are again with another episode of the World of Work podcast. Uh, today we're having a conversation with Darren Phillipson. Um, Jane, would you like to say a little bit more about Darren and what we're chatting to him about? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, really looking forward to talking to Darren today. Uh, Darren is Managing Director of 4-1 Safety Solutions uh, up here in Scotland. But in a previous life, he was in the military, part of the infantry. And he is talking to us today about his experiences of transitioning out of the military and into a civilian career. Yeah, that's right. So, so um, Darren spent uh, a bit over a decade in the um, in the military, in, in the infantry, um, and since then has, has moved out of the military and transitioned into running his own business. Yeah, and hopefully there'll be uh, lots of great uh, chat about what we can learn from that, but also what uh, other people going through careers transitions can take from his experiences too. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the conversation and learn about transitioning out of the military. Okay, so here we are in the core section of this episode. We're having a conversation today with Darren Phillipson. And, and what we're doing today is we're exploring transitions within careers and moving and, and you know, different parts of life where, where moving takes place. Um, and we're really excited to chat to Darren because we're going to be exploring uh, transitioning from the military into um, future stages of career and things like that. Um, before we get into that, though, Darren, would you be able to say a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your background? Yep. Hi there, um, my name's Darren Phillipson. I served for just under 12 years in the Royal Regiment of Scotland, um, reaching the rank of Sergeant, and I transitioned from the military in 2015 um, due to a medical discharge with arthritis. Since then, I've went on to have a career in health and safety, and I am now the Managing Director of 41 Safety Solutions um, based in Scotland. Great. Just before we go on a little bit further, could you say a little bit more about 4-1 Safety Solutions and, and what you do? Um, yes, of course. So I uh, started 4-1 Safety Solutions approximately 18 months ago, um, and we are a health, safety, training and compliance organisation, helping organisations in the rail, construction and um, utilities sectors. We provide off-call regulated training, um, put management systems to the ISO standards in, and provide overall health and safety support to uh, a number of clients throughout Scotland. Cool, that sounds sounds interesting. And we'll, we'll probably touch on some of that a little bit later. Um, before we sort of progress down that direction, though, would you be able to say a little bit about what it was like for you um, moving on from the military? I mean, I guess in terms of your, your preparation and that actual transition period, what was it like going through that? Um, in terms of myself, the transition period for myself lasted about eight to nine months um, due to a medical discharge. And for me, it was um, a mixture of emotions. There was um, realisation that I would be leaving the military, um, selecting a future career, and more importantly, um, finding a work placement slash career outside the military that I could move into immediately after my last day in service and um, that was something that was quite important for me and it took a lot of work to get to that stage um, mm-hmm. and, and did you get sort of support for that transition how did you go about deciding 
where to go and then to, to you know get the building blocks you needed to move on to where you wanted to move? So in, in terms of my experience, um, I was planning to do an e-learning health and safety module, uh, aiming to get a diploma. That was part of a plan that was probably going to expand about six years or so. Um, but because I faced a medical discharge, um, that plan was rapidly accelerated into a, a kind of eight months, eight months period. Um, the military do offer a substantial resettlement package, um, mm-hmm. which I was able to tap into, and I freed up in the region of four thousand pounds worth of support um, that I, I then used so that I could get my my NEBOSH qualifications and um, qualified as a lead auditor. Yeah. In terms of actual support throughout the military, um, they put you through a, a kind of gateway that goes through career transition partnership, and they basically broaden your horizons, trying to harness the qualifications and the, the transferable skills you've got from the military and where mm-hmm. they can be utilised in whatever industry you choose to go in. Um, it also encompasses like um, CV writing and they do skills mm-hmm. workshops and there is once a year in Scotland, there's a, a regional recruitment program um, and they invite maybe 10, 20, 30 local employers, regional employers um, and make their services available to personnel transitioning from the military. So it was yeah. a it was a steep learning curve and luckily yeah. I was able to identify a career that I had previously thought about and pursue my goal of um, becoming a health and safety practitioner. Yeah. And, and I guess... What did that that sort of transition period feel like for you? So there was a there was a lot of uncertainty, um, and I'm probably speaking uh, for a lot of military personnel on this one that your perception of your skill set in the military versus the civilian sector, public sector's perception of your skill set is quite different, um, and it takes a bit of a there's a bit of a bridge to gap there in terms of identifying those transferable skills. Um, I mean, I personally felt I was well equipped for civilian street and the closer I got to transitioning to the to civilian life, the the kind of bigger the realisation was that um, it was going to be quite hard actually to, to find a job because I didn't understand the skill sets I'd gained in the military and how I could transfer them from military to civilian. My focus was pretty much in my CV as well with a lot of military jargon that civilian employers maybe didn't understand. Um, and that took maybe 18 months post-service for me to realise that my CV and how I approached the civilian se- sorry, public sector um, didn't really match. Um, even though my skill sets did, the way I was selling myself, it was quite wide of the mark. So that was quite that was quite a big, uh, big learning curve for me and on reflection. I think it's something that the military could probably focus on a wee bit better, to be honest. It sounds like it's quite a bumpy ride. How, was, was the bumpiest part sort of knocks to your confidence or was it the sort of very practical sort of not knowing how to sell your skills or a bit of... Because I because I selected health and safety, um, it took maybe six weeks to find a course for my NEBOSH certificates. Now, bear in mind, I've got a nine-month window here. Six weeks into it already before I set my qualification, it then takes a further three months to find out if you've passed or if you've failed, and that then leaves yourself for about four months if you've passed to actually make people aware that, yes, you have the relevant qualifications, but if you fail that, you could be back to the drawing board. So it's quite a, it's 
even though nine months sounds a long time to find a job, it's quite it's quite condensed because there's a lot of time you you don't actually know if you've got the qualification, if you've got the skills and knowledge that the industry is looking for. So there was a lot of questioning myself, um, and also a lot of people wanted experience. For instance, manufacturing companies would want a health and safety manager with manufacturing experience, construction experience. I didn't have that experience in the the manufacturer. And again, it took me a while to realise that although I didn't have the experience in that industry, the processes and the fundamental um, kind of philosophy of health and safety were pretty much mirror image, I mean, mirror image in the military because everything in the, mili- the military is planned. Um, it's in-depth planning, relies on well-trained personnel. Um, you need to have your ability to adapt and you need to take ownership to be able to lead and deliver basically the intended outcome but it took me a while to understand that um, and also then there's not just the the job aspect there's a, the family aspect as well you've gone from a secure job moving from a married quarters moving back to a home um, and I moved 80 miles away from my family and I was lucky that I had previously purchased a premises and I was able to move back into there um, but there's some people that are most fortunate as that and they might be on a council waiting list for a house. So that coupled with the employers or their future employment opportunities and their aspirations, it's quite a stressful time. That's a hu- huge amount of things to change all at once. Yeah, massive. You know, when most people change careers, not not everyone, but for a lot of people, it doesn't also involve moving, finding a new home, your partner potentially having to move as well with you. I mean, that's there's a lot going on there. Did you... Was it hard for everyone around you, or did you, or did you actually manage to sort of stick together, so to speak? Um, no, it was it was definitely. I mean, it was definitely hard um, for my wife and my, my son because with my son as well, he had to then move to school. My wife was giving up two jobs to move back through to Ayrshire. Um, as well as we're doing that, I had um, I had a private tenant in my property, so there was a landlord fees. There was a lot of stuff going on the side of that. I was trying to find and forge a new career. And in the back of your brain, you've always got this time scale of in nine months' time is my last paycheck, in eight months' time is my last paycheck. So <laughs> it's it's as if the wolf's getting closer and closer to the door. And I mean I was I was just trying to give myself as maximum exposure as I could. Um, and it's definitely a tough sell if you don't market yourself correctly and you don't take the time to actually understand your Key attributes you've got and what you can actually bring to somebody. Um, I mean, I was I was um, looking to uh, volunteer work for health and safety, volunteer safety inspections, trying to work with local councils. And every single time I approached something, I got told I didn't have enough experience or people weren't actually looking to bring somebody on, even though I was I was offering services for free. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, I don't know if that's just the health and safety industry initially, but that that was my kind of personal experience. Did you sense, was there ever any stigma around you coming from the services? Because something, uh, when we spoke to some of the guys from the army beforehand, they were saying sometimes there can be an education needed for future employers that uh, army personnel still have really great skills and can fit in well within organisations. I mean, um, did you did you feel that was a, a hampering you, or was it? Were you lucky in your sector? I mean, for for the health and safety side, it definitely one hundred percent. Because I I joined the infantry when I was sixteen years old, 
um, and I came out when I was in my uh, mid to late 20s. Everything that I'd done in my work life was army and infantry based and there's a lot of organisations out there who think that people in the military are just trained in military aspects and that is it. They don't realise that actual the, the person skills you've got, everything in the military is teamwork, it's the fabric. Uh, we've got a core, a core values that we will work to, uh, like selfless commitment, integrity, um, respect for others. I mean, they're, they're key values that you, you take outside your military and they're, I think their core values are what forms a brilliant team. And it takes a bit of time to educate employers and other businesses in areas that the actual value that forces members can add to their organisation, not just in terms of their skill set, but their actual leadership and commitment to getting the job done and adding value to their business, essentially. Yeah, I, I think, like you said, some, some great values that are suitable, not just for the military or work life, but in your, your own life as well. Um, uh, when, when we were speaking a couple of minutes ago, you said that when you were transferring out, you didn't realise or, or you didn't really have a handle on the skills that you had that were transferable, that you'd gained as a result of your time in the military. Having, having moved on from that and gotten your role, what would you say the, the core skills are that you gained through the military beyond those behaviours? What are the, the skills and capabilities that you gained through your infantry experience? Um, there, I mean, there's a broad spectrum, but there's, there can be simple things like following an instruction. Now, in the construction industry, that could be a method statement or following the risk assessment and working in the parameters of what's defined as safe. That um, is vitally important to me because there's a lot of people out there that will... They could see something happening and as opposed to stopping a job if it's unsafe, for instance, and just taking five minutes to reassess and actually formulate a plan, people often turn a blind eye to get something done quickly. But in the military, you've got there is a massive area focused on integrity. Um, so for me as a health and safety advisor, one of the key models I've got across is the integrity aspect and also the level of planning. Um, the, I had a light bulb moment again, I said it earlier, but I had a light bulb moment probably two, about 18 months to two years post-service when I realised that the processes were similar and if I could plan and run a live fire range with automatic weapons, um, pyrotechnics and also um, grenades, etc., then I could plan and deliver a scope of works on a construction site or support a client to deliver that safely because the key the key planning emergency preparedness and um, first aid safety ensuring uh, employee competency the, the the mirror image a lot um a lot of the time and it took me a while to realize that that is quite similar to people's experience when they move uh, industries within the same role but they quite often find the language is completely different or the terminology so they sit in interviews and they say what they think is exactly the same thing, but because they don't necessarily use the terminology or the names of the documentation or the names of the processes, they can quite often be shut out. And it just, it feels like, it feels like there has to be, we have to be broader than that when we're recruiting people. We have to think more broadly about translating for them. Yeah, definitely. Especially, especially uh, military personnel. It's one of the, one of the things that I, anybody that comes out and um, I'm like an open book with the guys that I served with and I got a lot of emails and calls and people asking for advice and it's just trying to get rid of the, the stigma and the jargon busting. Yeah. Um, yes, we've done a lot of stuff in the military, um, including tools, whatever it may have been, and there would be key planning in there, but 
the key thing that I need to make people aware of transitioning from the military is an employer may have a problem or a gap in their business. Are you are you the person that's there to um, be the solution? I.e., can you fulfil that job role? Yeah. And if the answer to that is yes, then you need to tailor your CV and your your experience to that, and step away from military jargon, but you're still relying on the core values and the, the core kind of learning um, material that you've had throughout your military career, whether it's four years or forty years. Yeah. Um, there's still a lot to be learned and taken from the military, in, in my opinion. If if you were to go back, I mean, if you were going through the transition out of the military again. What would you do? Have you got things that you'd do differently or how would you make sure that you had the best transition possible for yourself? Massively. Because I was medically discharged, I had to take a leap of faith into civilian street. That that was going to happen irrelevantly. It doesn't matter. But people who transition now, if I, if I was going to do my 22 years, for instance, mm-hmm. I would start my resettlement package eight years prior. I, I would have been doing some e-learning, um, possibly a diploma, or looking to get to a degree level two years pre-discharge. Right. That would then give me the, the fundamental knowledge I need going forward into an industry I've pre-selected and I've done my research on. Um, again, it's people have decided they're going to sign off. You get 12 months notice. Um, sometimes I think we don't critically think of, is that industry, where is it at the minute? Where is it in five years? Yeah. Where is it in 10 years? And how is my future growth going to be in that? Some industries are starting to decline, whilst some industries are starting to massively um, kind of up, up, uh, not upskill, up, uptake yeah. in terms of environmental um, issues. That's that's quite key at the minute. So there could be a whole industry coming off the back of that. Um, and my advice would be look at your industry where it is now, five, ten, fifteen years through to whatever age, whatever age you think you're going to retire. Yeah. Um, and don't fall into the trap of selecting an industry based on your mate's experience, um, somebody you've spoke to at a job fair's experience, an advert's experience. You really, really need to critically think of the industry you're selecting and is that an industry you want to be in in 10 years? Because the funding you get available is a brilliant resource, yeah. but it's a one-time use. When it's used, it's used, and you don't want to be wasting £6,000 worth of funding on a career that you're not going to pursue because that's a hell of a lot of money that can do a hell of a lot of things for yeah. uh, for your future kind of career essentially yeah and and when people um are looking to transition out if, if they do as you say and think about this a little bit earlier and and start to get you know skills and training uh, towards the group, uh, a degree level that would help them in that direction how how do you think people can learn about the careers that they'd want to explore i mean how would how would you say that people can get an insight into what it's like in, in those future roles or in um, in the, the wider civilian world? Um, be a sponge. Speak to people. Um, get on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, identify personnel. I mean, for instance, if you go on LinkedIn, you're going to say you want to do health and safety, you want to do fibre optics, um, vegetation management, whatever it is, you can do a search and people in that industry will come up. Well, connect with them, pick their brains, follow the industry. There's plenty out there that you can subscribe to that's free. You get information monthly. Um, and just try and, as I said earlier, just try and be the biggest sponge that you can be and absorb as much knowledge and the actual realize, uh, a realistic um, 
understanding the organisation, sorry, not the organisation, the industry that you're selecting. Yeah. Um, that will help people then prepare for, is this industry for me? Is it something that I'm actually invested in? Or am I just doing this job because I want to meet, uh, I want to get, make ends meet yeah. as opposed to have a have a future career yeah do you feel that there are specific careers or specific types of role that are, are particularly suited to people leaving the infantry or do you think uh, that all roles and are suitable and it depends on the person have you got any thoughts on that um there's i've, I've had um varying varying success stories um from personnel leaving the infantry one of one of the probably main benefits from the infantry is that we need to know we need to know enough information about every other trade because we need to be self-sufficient. Okay. So, infantiers, in my opinion, they do make they do make a good um, a good knowledge base, and they do retain information um, well. But the, the private security sector um, has previously done well um, with ex-military personnel. I, I don't know the current status at the minute. Um, a lot of personnel that I was in his forces with uh, would be doing kind of cat sea long distance lorry driving yeah. um, some of them employed in um, fibre optics however I, I don't know where that is at the minute and um, health and safety um, there's there's a number of guys that I know uh, who are now employed in health and safety um, and I've actually been employing one of them on, as of the 1st of February uh, who I served with so I think health and safety for anybody who's in the military, again, because it's planning, reviewing, and following clear, concise instructions, and your personnel skills, um, your communication skills, and being a bit of a problem solver, uh, negotiator, as opposed to um, dictating to people how they'll do their job role, communicating with them and building a working relationship, and actually fostering a safety culture within an organisation. That's, that's a skill that you get in the army, because... You're getting in the military. You get personnel global. Um, it's it's UK and Commonwealth, so you could yeah. have personnel from the Caribbean, Scotland, England, Wales, Australia, South Africa. There's a whole host of different personnel, um, religions, even like regional differences, global differences. But everybody still needs to pull together. Yeah. And the communication is a massive thing, the communication and teamwork. So I, I think that works well in, in safety. It's it's interesting you mentioned that, Darren, because I used to, a long, long time ago in a previous life, I used to work in major events, major sporting events. And um, quite often the health and safety on-site teams and the security teams would have members of the military, ex-members ex of the military. And one of the things that always struck me was how quickly, there's two guys I'm thinking of in particular, and they were both guys, um, how quickly they would absorb themselves into a wider team that was coming together for maybe a month um, and were able to build those relationships really quickly to get the communications going so that everyone knew what was going on, when and how, whilst kind of not really, they never stood out. It was really amazing. Like they always just seemed to fit in with how people wanted to work. And I was always really struck by that. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that's says it's a massive thing that I think is undersold in the army. Your actual the, the teamwork, everybody needs to know their job role and understand the overall picture. And I think that's something that we're we're actually pretty good at. Ex-military personnel is um, improving team performance and breaking down barriers. I mean, some of the organisations I've worked with, it's been department against department, yeah. and 
people don't actually understand that you're part of the same organisation or group. Yeah. And your overall object, your overall objective or aim is the same. But because they don't have the understanding of what one department or one company in a group does, there's a bit of uh, a bit of um, negativity. And I put in a program with a client before, and it was a bit of shared values working with different departments. And since then, the, the organisations of safety records is, is improved pretty well because everybody understands their job role, but the person next to them, their job role, and the overall workings of the business and. I, I think it's quite a quite a good thing that we're, uh, we bring from the military. Thinking about what you were saying, if there's a manager out there who, like you, is going to be employing uh, someone who's transitioning, um, is there anything they should they can do differently, or is uh, what do you think matters the most uh, to people coming out of the army from their managers? Because you mentioned briefly, like clarity of role. Yes, is it? Is that is that particularly important to people moving in uh, moving out of the army? Is there anything else like that? Yes, um, I mean for for myself, um, the key thing that I would say for any potential management teams out there who are looking to recruit with ex military personnel is, yes, they will be bringing a massive new skill set to your organisation, but you will still need to support them and give them the stability of this is your defined job role and support them through the initial three months period, for instance, um, that will enable the personnel in the military to get an understanding of their new job role before they start to really implement their, um, or you get the kind of key benefits of that personnel. Um, it's, they'll be moving industry, and it's just a wee subtle reminder that um, they're not going to be a rock star overnight, essentially, but given a bit of time and support, and six to 12 months time they would definitely be a key player in your organization and um there's always friendly competition in the military it's broken into a top middle and bottom third and that inner inner desire to improve and be a winner it's ingrained in 99 percent of personnel in the military and if you can harness that and show up career progression then in my personal opinion, you're on an absolute winner, um, which is why I know I'll, I'll be employing my first person, my first ex-military person. Um, but if I can employ anybody else in the future, my talent pool will definitely come and uh, be coming from the military because I know how much they can actually add to my business. Um, so, yeah. Are you excited about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I, I can't, I can't wait. To be honest, it's just. Um, is something that I've been quite passionate about um, because I I knew the pitfalls that I fell into and I always try and guide and help personnel coming out of the military and having a, the opportunity to, A, take somebody from the military, but they're also, they were also uh, medically discharged. Um, so I'll be employing somebody who's a veteran who's medically discharged, but my God, are they going to add um, a lot of value to my business? Um and they will enable me to take a step back and actually grow my brand, grow my business, whilst I know that the the, the operational side, that the site inspections, the risk assessment method statements, 70% of that will be absorbed by um, my new employee. And I know that it's going to be to a, a very high standard. It, it gives me a, gives me a lot of confidence. I'm smiling just listening to you. Can you speak? <laughs> <laughs> 
just for the listeners, uh, James and I are not in the same room today for once. And I, I think that's really funny that you said that, James, because I've got yeah. a grin from ear to ear. Just listening. It's just such a lovely story. It's great. It is. It's a really good yeah. thing. Congratulations, <laughs> preemptively. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I was going to sort of take the conversation back a little bit. So you mentioned early on that the transition itself is hard and there's lots of stuff going on. You're maybe moving location, moving career, exploring new things, um, changing your, your way of working and living. When you think about those around you, right? So if you think about your friends or your family um, or members of your community and, and people like that, what role do they play in that transition for people that are lucky enough to have um, friends and family around them? And and how can they help people with transitions out of the military? Um, boy, I mean, look, my wife, um, she was fundamental um, and allowed me to kind of achieve my, my aim when I was transitioning from the military and, and she was she was involved in it just as much as I was because both of us were moving from our married quarters back into our house. She was giving up a job and my son. Um, so my, my wife was quite, she was um, quite heavily involved with it. But the wider, like the wider family, yes, they were there for a support mechanism. Um, but I would, if there's any, any families out there who are listening or, it's just sometimes taking that extra wee five, ten minutes to get a catch up and a chat because especially guys in the military are uh, they don't really open up a bit much. Yeah. Um I don't know if it's just because of the environment they've been working in. I mean, I, I left an organisation that had four, five hundred men into an organisation that had well, my first job I was working remote, so I went for that to I was in a, I had a desk a desktop in my house. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot. There was a, a big transition from a high high testosterone environment where it was everybody was working together to me myself working remotely. So it was quite it was quite a change. And um, my wife was there as a as a as a massive support to yeah. me, um, and my family they were there as well. But I don't think sometimes that they fully understand the, the whole transition because I, as I say, I, I left for being a schoolboy um, straight to the straight to the military. Uh, my only job before that was uh, I had a milk run when I was fifteen. Yeah. So <laughs> prior prior employment to the military was non-existent yeah. to me. So it was quite it was quite a a nervous time. And you do go through um, a a process of for me it was I didn't feel like a failure, but because I had got medically discharged, it took a bit of time for me to get over that hurdle that. I'm medically discharged because I need to take a weekly injection. Uh-huh. I can, but I can still add a massive amount to the public and civilian sector. Yeah. I just couldn't facilitate my job role in the military any longer, and that was that took a bit of a a, a bit to get through. To be honest, because I'd never been injured for ten years, eleven years, and then one day I woke up and I just. I just couldn't move and I went through some of the best rehabilitation and I got the best medication available and now I'm I mean I'm I'm, I'm fine now. Mm-hmm. But at that time there's just a, a stigma and a barrier, but a self reflection mm-hmm. that um so my advice would just be have a wee look out and if you're having a quick coffee or a team, you're you're asking MD for transition if we any personal problems and even a simple thing like are you okay? Yeah. If they say yes, yes, I'm fine Ask them that again and really reinforce yeah. it. Like, no, James, I'm asking you, are you okay in yourself? How do you feel? Is there anything that can support yeah. you? And nine times out of ten, 
they'll probably open up. It might be on the way out. Yeah. But if they open up on the way out, at least you've got something that you know you can um, support when we going forward. Yeah. So, there's, and I don't know, that was just my personal experience. Some people might come out and be really looking forward to it and absolutely fly. But to me, there was definitely about a month or so where, as well as a job hunt you had in the back of your head, that I'm transitioning as a person. Yeah. I'm no longer a soldier. I'm going to be a civilian, but I'm going to be an injured civilian. Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And I think you spoke about it really well. Um, I, I think that's that's helpful, and I think asking people if they're okay and really asking them and really listening to, to responses is something we could all um, probably do a little bit better. And, and you know, you said the uh, your experience in the military was a fairly testosterone-heavy group of guys where, where they don't speak about this stuff, and I think it, that's true in lots of walks of life, not necessarily just in the military. I can imagine it being more so in the military. Yeah. But generally, men aren't very good at speaking about thoughts and emotions and feelings, particularly when they stray into the negative. So no, I, did, I think definitely. modeling that and talking about that's great. Um, do, do you think, or in your experience of people that you've known leaving the military, do, do you think um, people can have their mental health suffer a little bit? You've spoken about it a bit in your experience there about I'm not feeling at your best, but but what are your thoughts on mental health and you know looking after yourself so that you can stay in a good mental place? Um, mental health to me is is massive, um, and we will actually. I am so in the civilian world. I've went and become a mental health first aider, right. um, and I will also be qualified to deliver mental health first aid training as of the middle of February. Right. It's something that's really key to me and, and a, a sobering statistic that I, I kind of reinforce to people um, especially kind of out here in the, the civilian world is that I've lost more colleagues and more mates to suicide from mental health than I did in any Afghan cycle um, and that's something that that's something that really kind of hits home with people because again you're, you're leaving a, an organisation that could be four or five hundred strong to a small group of two or three people, which is why I try and do my do my level best to support anybody who's coming out of the military. Um, I, if I know them or if I don't know them, um, and there's an organisation, there's a group on um, Facebook, and I mean they're they're doing like brilliant things. I don't know their name's Warriors RV, um, and it's run by a guy. His name's Sam Benson. I don't know him personally. But I know my, my friends know him, and he's created this group, and I think there's about upwards of 50,000 ex-military personnel on there. It's it's not a charity. They don't take anybody ex-military, and it's just a brilliant support network for everybody and anybody who's ex-military. They'll post jobs. They'll post um, mental health uh, kind of events. They'll post any anybody who's distressed. They'll have people all, all over the world who will go and meet these people. Um, and have a cup of tea and coffee with them because they've they've been in the same boat as them, and they completely understand what it's like. So there is there is stuff that's happening in the background for mental health, um, and it's definitely an area which uh, needs to be improved in my opinion. And one of the key things we can do is break the stigma around mental health. Um, you could be the the best soldier in the world, um, and you will go through mental health issues. Um, but if you if you bottle it up and let it get to you, it can then become overburdening. Um, if you actually start to speak to your colleagues and speak to your mates and get out in the open, um, it'll be uh, it'll be vastly improved and hopefully, hopefully um, we, we don't lose any more ex-military personnel through mental health. 
So that Facebook group sounds really good, Darren. Would you be able to read the name out of it again, just so that people can catch it? I kind of missed it the first time myself. Yep. So the Facebook group is called um, Warriors RV, and there's approximately 50,000 ex-military personnel um, who are on it. And it's not a charity. Um, they don't take any donations, and it's just solely for ex-military personnel to support each other globally. Um, this can range from somebody who's a bit down in the dumps so they can get a cup of tea or coffee, through to job opportunities, through to somebody who may be really struggling with their mental health and providing an internal support network um, with like-minded individuals because everybody in there has been in the military in some capacity and they typically know how the other person would be feeling at some point in time. It's a fantastic page um, and it's really, really um, added value to a lot of personnel who have since come out of the military um, and that's that was just started by a, a guy called Sam Benson um, and I mean hat off to the guy, I've never met him personally but if I do, I'll certainly get him a cup of coffee Yeah, that sounds fantastic and thanks for sharing that, we'll, we'll share details in our, um, in our show notes for that as well because that sounds really good um, So touching a little bit more on the sort of mental health and, and looking after yourself side of things as well as the transitions if you were going through a transition again, or if you were speaking to somebody um, else out there who was getting ready to transition, say, out of the military, have you got any thoughts on what they could do to prepare themselves um, for the mental side of things and to look after their mental health while they're going through that type of change? It can be quite disruptive. Yeah, um, just in terms of personal, yes, the first three, four weeks where you're still in the military but you're in a transition phase and you, you're not a soldier as such yeah. um, you will enjoy sitting in your house watching the TV you will enjoy a bit of lack of PT, physical exercise but don't let it get to the stage where it's five, six, seven, eight weeks and you're starting to become a bit of uh, a bit of a recluse. Yeah. You still need to be socialising and trying to build your, your kind of knowledge base um, and also be prepared um, to have um, a lot of rejection. Yeah. Um, if you are chapping a hundred doors and you're rejected a hundred times, then chap the next door because eventually you'll get your success. And if you if you give up, you know how close you are to failure because you'll be at that point in terms of employment. But if you keep going, you could be one interview or or one one meeting or one email away from securing a, a job role. Um, so it's just mentally prepare yourself um, to face um, face rejection. But any time you get a rejection, always ask a question, even if you don't get the answer. Is there anything that you could, uh, any advice that you could give me going forward? And most employees will drop you an email to say, yeah. yes, it was because X, Y, or Z. And as long as you're improving that, as long as you're continually improving that, then sooner or later you're going to pick up a job, yeah. um, and then from there that that job becomes your base to grow over the next five ten years. So just uh, just don't give up, guys. Just keep at it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I was just I've been reflecting on a few things during us chatting about how much of this is also relevant for other people not transitioning from the military, but transitioning either into different careers or or even. I was thinking about in and out of the world of work. So, you know, people who are, for example, semi-retiring or coming back to work after raising children. And I guess I, I wondered if you if you think there's something that they can learn from uh, your experiences coming out of the 
military and what you know what you think is different uh, that other people would benefit from um in terms of if you're approaching a different industry again um even from a safety perspective i get invites to work with different clients in different industries there is no way that i can become a subject matter expert in each industry but my key advice would be be an open book and be prepared to learn and as long as you are prepared to learn and ask the questions others might not want to ask then have faith in yourself um, because you're essentially going to be in charge of, of your your employment going forward um, think of the, the individual skills and the, the, that you've got as a person out with the scope of a CV which has got a list of your, your achievements. There is a lot that's um, to be added away from a CV that will be reflected in a, in, a, in a kind of personal level. Yeah, it's really, it's just interesting. I was just reflecting, this is like, I feel like there's like three or four things that you've said that are so clear, you know, that, that bit about perseverance and understanding that there's going to be a load of rejection. Yeah. That bit about learning, you know, which comes through so clearly when you talk about your sector, you know, this learning journey of really familiarising yourself, not just with the, the the subject knowledge like you did with your qualifications, but how the industry works and how it functions. Oh. And then this network piece of having people around you to support. And I think they're, you know, those those messages are true for everyone, right? They're just, it might have been a little bit, little bit bigger of a transition when you come out of the military because so much else changes as well. Oh, 100%. I mean, um Everybody, everybody in the workplace I've worked with, that they, they want to learn, and if you just allow somebody the opportunity to learn, and and if you're an employer or you're a manager, and take the time and really try and nurture and foster the employees around you because the value they can actually add, um, and don't just go management level. If you're making a business decision or to employ somebody, look at the overall business and get thoughts from the newest employee to the most senior employee and really foster that kind of work ethos. I mean, it's, it's massive, especially in my scope of works. And it's something that I try and engage with in every single industry that I go into, regardless. Great stuff. Um, so I think, unfortunately, we're pretty much out of time. We've had a great conversation. I, I've really enjoyed huge amounts of what we've spoken about. Just before we finish up, would you be able to say a little bit um, again, about uh, your business and how people could get in touch and learn more about you and some of the things that you do. Yes, of course. Um, so, as I said, my name's Darren Phillipson. Um, search for me. I'm on LinkedIn. Probably my biggest social media media profile is there. My organisation is Four One Safety Solutions, and we are a health, safety, training, and compliance consultancy based in um, Ayrshire, Scotland. We provide health and safety support to clients um, throughout the UK, including ISO management system accreditation. Um, for safety schemes and procurement, such as Chaz Achilles, and we deliver off-call regulated training, such as first aid, fire safety, manual handling, and first aid. Um, if you ever want to get in touch, my email is d.philipson at 41safetysolutions.co.uk, or again, find me on LinkedIn. Perfect. Okay. Well, the last thing just to say is um, a huge thank you. I really enjoyed that conversation and um, I learned a lot and I hope our listeners did as well. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Darren. It was really interesting to hear about your experiences. Perfect. Thank you, guys. Okay. So you're back with us. That was our conversation with Darren. I thought that was a really interesting conversation. Um, it was great to hear him speak so articulately about some of the challenges of transitioning out of the military and, and some of the advice he'd give himself and others about how to do that um, more effectively were he to do it again. 
What were some key takeaways for you, Dan? I guess the thing that I said just at the end when I was talking to him that really struck me that, okay, it is, it's like the toughest career transition, but then magnified by all the other transitions that are happening at the same time. So uh, moving away from status, potentially changing your home, your kids might be moving schools, all of those things happening all at once. And yet you're also trying to plan out a career that you haven't really thought about for a long time. And so yeah. I guess it just struck me that the things that he talked about are so relevant for all of us. And actually, if we put them into practice, we'd probably all find transitioning through those career transitions, whether moving to different jobs or whether moving different life stages, I think would be really helpful. Yeah, I think they're, they're great points. Some of the bits that really stuck out for me were about the importance of mental health throughout that process and, and the fact that change is difficult for us, right? I mean, a transition is a disruptive thing and you might say that you're okay, but it's okay for it to be difficult to do these things, I guess, is, is the point I'm getting at. Um, it's hard to make these transitions, but it's okay that it's hard. And it's okay to speak to other people about it. And, and I think that's a powerful thing that came through with his discussion. Absolutely. Uh, change is hard, but it can be great. Cool. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll get to chat to Darren again. Um, in the meantime, let us check out of here. We'll be back, I guess, in another week with another episode. In the meantime, thank you very much, everyone. Bye, everyone. Hi. Thanks for listening to this episode of the World of Work podcast. To learn more about what we do, please check out our website, www.worldofwork.io, where you can read some great articles, learn more about the seminars and courses that we deliver, or even support us if you wish through our Patreon page. That's www.worldofwork.io. Thank you.